Vasali on the pod today, a Houston Dasher, uh, Californian Pepperdine waiver. Yeah, waves, baby. But are you considered a waiver? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, when you're <laughs> when you're a freshman, you're just a ripple, and then you become oh. a wave later on. Oh. Are you okay. serious? I love that. We Uh, actually, um, I had the, we played you guys when, and like, I don't know how you get any work done. When Virginia went out there, I was like, is anyone else not paying attention? I feel like I'm looking at like the nicest scenery I've ever seen in my life. It's like a beach from New York. Wasn't, wasn't what, what's the Jamie Lynn Spears, wasn't that film there? Yeah, the Pacific Coast Academy, PCA or something yes. like that. And yes. I, I was like, as a kid, always watching that, being like, that's so cool, mom, can I go? And they're like, it's fictional. And I was like, oh, really? And then later on went, so that was fun. And then we're like, oh, really? It is fictional? Yeah. <laughs> How about that, mom? <laughs> yeah, you take that. Yeah. Oh, well, seriously, dude, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Uh, your Thanks story for having me. is truly, truly incredible. And I was happy to be part of it for maybe two months. Right. But- Okay. Uh, we the definitely two months <laughs> oh dude it was insane and we will definitely get to that because it yeah it, it's a very insane story that i think needs to be shared so <laughs> but before we you know get into all the nwsl drama because there always is some uh let's dive a little bit into your you know college career so um i think people don't realize this but you know when they think about powerhouses i feel like a lot of times you get the unc florida state um but pepperdine in the last 10 years has really like made a presence i'd say in the women's soccer space um and you've had many players uh be drafted in the league so talk a little bit about your decision to go to pepperdine um and why you feel like as a program despite not being in call it a power five conference you've been able to kind of get players to develop and then play professionally yeah, um, I think part of the decision obviously had to do with the scenery as we already talked about, um, because I actually in Northern California was close to the beach a lot. And that was something that was special for me growing up. Um, but that being said, I never really dreamed of playing pro, which sounds kind of insane because like that's every little girl's dream. But at the time, you guys know what it was like. Mm-hmm. I mean, only a few people would go pro. And then if that was the case, like the league would potentially fold occasionally here and there and like I don't know it just wasn't like a viable thing so at the time I mean I just made it based off of um something that would be competitive and then also because I also wanted to get a good degree so that's ultimately why I chose it um and then obviously I think you know talking about players developing through Pepperdine the the main player that comes to mind that put Pepperdine on the map is Lynn Williams mm-hmm. uh, who I got to play one year with my freshman year. And then, um, like you said, just kind of this trickle down effect, um, for her to break that barrier. Like you guys had said, you know, usually it's the bigger schools that are getting those players drafted. And trust me, I have a locker room full of UNC and Virginia chicks. (laughs) So I know you guys are there (laughs) a little too much. (laughs) No knows this. (laughs) So, um, yeah, like that, um, that it's kind of cool in that essence, I guess. Um, and, just competing and I guess continuing that. But I mean, we played so, for instance, so Puerta at um, Santa Clara and mm-hmm. Julia, it's obviously went there, but yeah, Pepperdine really wasn't like a huge contender, so to speak, or a brand name for soccer. Yeah, so. brand, yeah. What so do you think then, I know, what do you think though creates, is it the culture, is it the coaching? What do you think kind of sends you guys 
to that next kind of echelon level of, of soccer? Yeah. I mean, typically it's hard to recruit because uh, athletics has like a set amount of scholarships and mm-hmm. everything and Pepperdine yeah. itself is very expensive. So we have to make do with a hard budget. So I will say the coaching staff, like I have to give credit to them in terms of what they do. And Joe, you're like absolutely correct in assuming it's the culture and the character. And like, we would joking, like in spring, we'd have evolutions where basically it was like boot camp, and they tried to like replicate Navy SEAL training. And I was like, what are we doing? Like we literally (laughs) locked arms and walked into the ocean. He's like, don't break. And I was like, we're drowning. (laughs) So, I mean, it was kind of silly, but at the same time, they would joke, like we're, we're building women of character and like Honestly, I can say I've become a better person because of my college experience. Um, and I feel like you can all agree with that. Like you just become 100%. such a different human being and you grow. And so honestly, looking back on it, those memories are probably my favorite more so than what happened on the field. Yeah. And I get to laugh now about it at the time. Obviously I was like, freak you coach. Cause like yeah. it sucked, but like, um, I just definitely think it like pushed us to new limits and our coaching staff just did a really excellent job. So yeah. Yeah, I can't speak highly enough about Tim and Max and Ari. They've just continued it too. And you can see now that presence, um, I guess they're getting ranked, but yeah, so. Yeah, that's awesome. I like so much, I feel like. And, you know, I think when you think about the big programs that have been successful, it's like, you know, Anson or Steve or whoever, it's like these coaches have been in place for 10 plus years. That's the only way you really start building a culture is having someone um, with that experience who, you know, you know what you're getting. Uh, years into it where I feel like hopefully this will happen in a better way in the NWSL but you've seen so much movement it's kind of hard to uh, establish a a, a true culture when um, there's unfortunate things happening for different reasons why coaches are leaving but also just like a lot of movement right and you know better than anyone every team's talented in the NWSL like it's not always the best talented team that wins sometimes it's the team with the best culture Um, I agree with that like 100% and you could even I know the challenge cup back in the day, well, it counted for something then now everyone's like, eh, whatever challenge cup. But at the same time, like, uh, we didn't have any us women's national team players on our team. And I think love that run. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of cool to be a part of it, but also like you're alluding to, it's a bit of culture of, you know, player ran and everything else as well as coach. So, yeah. yeah. So you are having an incredible senior year at Pepperdine. You then enter the 2018 draft where you're drafted by the Chicago red stars with the, <laughs> wait, I have it, I have it with the 19th pick. Okay. Sister girl. So we are both then I was drafted by Boston, Boston folded dra- uh, Chicago drafted me. We are drafted to Chicago together. That experience was definitely a whirlwind. Um, I will definitely. <laughs> I describing it. I mean, being stuck in the showers, there's, yeah, yeah, there's a lot to that. So I just want you to kind of chat about one, you know, you made the decision when we found out that we pretty much weren't going to be signed and that wasn't going to happen and our rights would still be held in Chicago, even if we were, didn't sign, they still held our rights. We were dead, essentially. Yes, Yes. we were, we were, (laughs) yes, exactly. You're saying that they were going to give you no money to live, but then not let you go anywhere and not let you play anywhere else. So, yes, got it. Just wanted to clarify that. I'm just going to hand the mic over to you um, and just kind of talk about your experience because you 
with a blink of an eye had an aha moment of I have any I can get an English passport I'm getting an English English passport golly passport and I'm piecing so talk a little bit how you know what happened how you got your passport then you went overseas let's hear it yeah um well at first I like yeah so obviously coming into Chicago was an experience very (laughs) unique experience um but like you said, you know, the cards started to fall where they mm-hmm. were going to be for the rest of the season. And like, I jokingly would tell my parents and hopefully this isn't taken wrong by the listeners. I'm like, but I, I won't be signed unless someone drops dead. Like, that's just the reality of it. They have a set roster limit. I am fresh meat. Like it does not matter. I mean, you knew what it was like, unless it was like a national team replacement situation, but then that was a temporary contract. So it like kind of counts. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I had... I don't know if you remember this memory and hopefully this isn't weird sharing it, but um, when we were asked to step aside uh, post-training and sit down on the bench. Yep. I, yep. I do remember that. Yeah. That for me was like, that was your turning point. That was it. And then we had that moment in the parking lot together when you and I both kind of broke down and I hope I'm not sharing too much. Oh, no. mom. Share it all. We're, here, girl. We're open here. And here. when I, when you called your mom, I'm like sitting there, like trying to console you. And I'm like, why am I trying to console when this is our situation? Like we need to fix it. Like, it ha- like something has to change. And so like it, it weirdly enough, like it hit me through us being together at times, like where we're just like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, um, that kind of, those were like the two defining moments for me. Um, and then obviously, like you said, my mom's passport situation. Um, I actually sent the wrong documents over because mm-hmm. I sent over her naturalization paperwork, okay. not her birth certificate. So I got a birth certificate in this process as well. Um, but it happened so quickly. I mean, yeah. I applied and I thought, you know how it is with any government agency, it usually takes like a month to do something or anything. I got it like within two weeks. And then I kind of was like, I guess I'm going. And, you know, looking back on it, um, Joe, I bet you probably felt the same way, but it felt like a failure when I was Mm -hmm. in Chicago, like, you know, that's deeply personal because it just felt that way. Um, We were drafted and then we were, yeah, yeah, I completely. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of knocks you down a few pegs, makes you question, like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Um, And then when this opportunity came up, it was actually really special and probably meant for the better. Um, And you know, the training sessions were really good in Chicago, but I think I needed game experience at that point. And so that decision just kind of made itself. Um, and I didn't realize it at the time, but that was like the first ever fully professional season for the super league. So formerly it was like part-time. And so most, most of the women were working at a wage that wouldn't sustain them not having another job, just like the NWSL. Um, and then the second year that I was there as well, uh, was when we got the title sponsor, uh, Barclays. And so it was just like the premier league. And then now you're seeing it really a lot all over the place. And it's just, it's, I'm telling you exponentially grown within like literally three years, I want to say. Um, so I, I, in retrospect, obviously I felt like a failure. But I think a door that was necessary. And um, Joe, I wish you were able to go over with me. You would have loved it. It was, no, it was so technical though. Like, I'm not even kidding you. You would have just like loved, I don't know how to explain it. Like the style of play, just like keeping the ball, getting the ball. Like it was just very soccer IQ forward, I guess you could say. Um, I laugh, but I like always wish that I was like English. 
Yeah, so, you should have just feigned it. I don't know. Yeah. It would have worked for you so well. But yeah. I mean, like, I felt like I was pretty technical at the time as a rookie. But then when mm-hmm. you get put with like other technical players, you're like, well, that's not my specialty anymore. So like, how do I adapt? So like, I think it helped me grow again as a player in terms of also understanding like more of the tactical side in addition to like the physical and technical. So overall, at the time I was kicking and screaming and really upset about it, but I have, that's, I think it's, I think obviously like hindsight is 2020, but like, for me, I look back and I'm like, I was coming off my, my fifth year when I got drafted, I was coming off my two ACLs. So for me, even though I thought I was probably 100% game ready, I actually still needed like a lot of training time. So like, by the time that I, I look back and I'm like, okay, well, that was maybe the crappy situation that a professional person, a professional soccer player could be in. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, you know what? I had an amazing host family. I was able to actually train and, you know, hopefully that set me up for Orlando when I, I did start and I did play. Yeah. I feel like too, <laughs> yeah. I feel like too, the, the, you're bringing up good points that are not necessarily like publicly discussed because they're not necessarily like big issues you would think of but when I think about the CBA obviously being ratified um what was it like two weeks ago I was in a similar boat to you Brie where I went into the the difference is is I went in as uh, an invitee into North Carolina but I was behind Ursag and Dahlkemper like I knew basically by the week three that like I could stay here and I'm sure you all know what it's like to be basically a practice player like on the second string in the end of a cell it's like brutal just training every day and I feel like when you're 21 or 22 or 23, you're like, well, how am I going to get better? I'm like every week I'm mimicking another team to help. And it, I want to help the team go to win, but it's like, am I getting better? So it's always, it's twofold in the sense of like, the only option really is to find an opportunity outside the United States, which I'm like, you have a passport. But then there's also the issue of people like Joanna who don't have a passport, who may have been drafted and their rights are held, which is why it's so critical that these kind of things came into place where you can't really honestly chain girls to certain situations there has to be more um you can't be like you're not going to play but you're not going to be able to go somewhere else like that's just ridiculous like there has to be (laughs) no it does but i'm saying like this is this is a little thing that like you're not going to see on twitter as a major piece of cba but it's it's something that that has and needs to be resolved and had to be resolved um because how many players i could probably think of like five off the top of my head that either weren't playing and were rostered or were not rostered that ended up playing in another team because they probably just weren't in the right situation. Um, but it took so much extra time because they had to get through all of the, you know, the, the coach won't let me go and they're holding my rights and players just have no power or empowerment. How you do things that I like have kind of forgotten about. And it's like, Oh, sorry, Joe, but it's good though. Like, because like, that's, that's, it needs to be discussed because like, I'm just thinking about like, we were told we had to go on a bus to South Dakota to 15 hours. Was it 15, 12 hours on a bus to play on yeah. a reserve team? The team that we beat in Oak Brook, 15-0. We ain't doing that. But also wow. like, remember we had a whole second team because the college girls were back at the time. So I had called Brian being like, I make my tips on the weekend because I was working three jobs. So I'm like, uh, can I like not have to drive the 12? And he was like, not a problem. Well, then come Monday, apparently it was a huge problem. And a big problem because we all linked together and finally put our foot down. We were like, none of us are doing this. We all, we, none of us are doing this. We're not driving. We're not getting on this bus. It's, we're not doing it. 
but apparently, yeah, there was a lot that was said that was really inappropriate, but I yeah. don't, I don't yeah. need yeah. to go no. down that rabbit hole, no. but yeah, it was a lot, but I, I, it's crazy. Cause like at the time, you know, and I, so, you know how you're saying, oh, these are things that need to be discussed. Yeah. I a hundred percent resonate with that. And at the time, because you're like, what's wrong with me? You make yes. it about yes. yourself Yes. instead of it's a systemic issue. Like yes. it's not actually the player's fault. Um, well, I also think you can't underestimate fit. How many times have you seen a player that's so talented that just either doesn't fit the system, there isn't an opportunity for them because maybe there's national teams in front of her or whatever, and either they retire or they never make it anywhere else because, one, they can't go anywhere else. Um, and people, I think, they miss that. It's in men's sports too, right? Like how, Sometimes it's lucky. You you fall into the right system and the Perfect coach timing. leaves you. Um and so it's actually funny that that's something that's really resonated with me because um, when I left, I had an opportunity. I remember going to Paul at the time and saying, um, he's like, you know, you can stay. And I said, well, I have an offer to go play in Norway. Like, I don't know what to do. And, you know, and of course he put it back in my hands. And then in my head, I was like, you know, I'm not going to probably play as much here. So let me go to Norway. Norway was a very horrible experience for me. <laughs> And I ended up having it. I went out, I had to break my contract to come back. And so that made me resonate with you in the sense of like, I felt like a failure, nothing about my situation. The fact that they had me in a hotel room for two months that they like, didn't agree. None of that stuck with me. It was just like, you failed. You didn't succeed because of X, Y, and Z. And so when I went to my second opportunity to go play champions league in Europe, Mm -hmm. um, I was so mental about it because everything was about like, you can't fail. So I'm just curious, like you go to England, right? again, like sounds like a really positive experience, but when was the shift for you? Cause I can only imagine like, um, despite like maybe the league, like you said, it was like kind of coming to fruition then in terms of being like a world powerhouse. What, when was the moment when you got overseas and you said, okay, like, you know, maybe that pressure of, of having to succeed, or if you felt that way going in, like this was your one opportunity to kind of keep pushing through your professional career. Did you feel that way? And if so, like, um, yeah. When was that moment that you kind of felt a little bit of security, like, okay, I deserve to be here. Um, when, when did that happen? I think it's actually funny that you, so I instead went in with like a pissed off mentality because yeah. I'm like, the fact that I have to travel this far to <laughs> play a game is pissed off. At the time I had a serious boyfriend like Joe and I'm like, yeah. this is ridiculous. How is this distance going to work? Like yes. how long is this yeah. going to last? I was so mad. So I went in with like a huge chip on my shoulder, like, I'm only spending one year here and I'm going home. Like yeah. this is ridiculous. But so I, I ended up actually kicking ass like really hard at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season. And then yeah. like, other stuff had really? happened, but I don't want to delve into that. Yeah. But the second half of the season wasn't as uh, fun as the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say like, sorry, my dog's playing with the <laughs> dog. No worries. Lucy, okay. please go to the room. Go, go. I love you. I know I'll be there in a sec. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um but then the second half of the season was a little rough um but at the same time it looked super successful on the outside so like we went to the fa cup final got to play a bunch in that and that's like the super bowl so like the first ever for me experience in england is that i get to go to essentially the super bowl in england so that was incredible didn't realize it until we were going out for warm-ups and i couldn't hear people talking to me and i was like oh my god like this is a big deal and then it kind of just was like I was, then you feel grateful for the moment. Um, but then the second season, um, that I pursued over there, cause essentially I had the opportunity to come back, 
but I didn't feel comfortable with Mm -hmm. where I wanted to go. So Mm -hmm. I was like, eh, let's just stay. And then I ended up coming back with the dash, but Joe, actually at the time when I was still playing in in England, I was getting text messages from someone being like, keeping an eye. And I was like, please don't, (laughs) please don't, (laughs) please don't. I don't know. No, no. (laughs) Well, cause like Joe and you know, you talk about timing and like players in front of me, Joe knows this, like you had Julie Ertz playing in midfield at the time. still there. V, who also got national team experience in so and Danny. And then she you had like both- the most Chicago Red Stars experiences ever. Literally. So I was like, why did you draft me? Like, what purpose? Because I'm a midfielder, obviously. So I'm like, what purpose was I gonna ever serve? Like, yes. no, I was like, please don't look at me. Please don't keep my rights. Please, please, please. But yeah. Did he or did Chicago, when you decided to come back, did Chicago have your rights? No, or did they expire? They expired, expired at the end of the season. But then I wasn't sure, like I said, about the situation coming back, which in <laughs> retrospect, this was actually the best decision. Um, and then I know that Dash had picked it up somewhere in like December, because I think you can. There's like another window where you can pick up rights. And they're like, are you absolutely sure you're coming? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. And then COVID actually hit, which I would have joined mid-season with Dash. Okay because of how the English season ends. Yeah, in yeah, right. And then I was like, oh, that's kind of poopy. Cause then you have to come mm-hmm. in like trying to unsettle a group, mm-hmm. which is not always a great feeling either. Um, so actually it worked out perfectly. And then I got back prior to the season starting and then have been with the dash obviously since. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> here we are. Yeah. So talk about Houston a little bit. What's the difference from, I mean, you've seen, Chicago, you've seen England, you've seen now Houston. What um, has been the biggest learning kind of curve that you've taken in your five, five, five years now, five-ish years playing professional? I think I'm still four. Were you don't, still four? Okay. Don't date me yet. <laughs> no, four, 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 four. Still four. What do you think kind of, you've been on a roller coaster. Do you feel at peace? Kind of where are you at in that process? Um, I'd say this year... I feel a little bit more settled. Obviously when you come back into the NWSL again, I had a chip on my shoulder of like, I didn't make it here. I feel like I failed. So I was irritated again, Mm -hmm. played pretty well when I came in, but then obviously the second season it's weird. Like then you start to doubt, like, do I really belong here? Like you have a little bit of imposter syndrome and you're like, uh, am I the person that I think I am? So last year was a bit more of a roller coaster, and like, I'm trying to be better with my mental side of the game, because I think it definitely affected my physiology last year. Like I messed up my ankle and knock on wood, I've never had issues before with anything like genuinely. And so I felt like that was definitely like self-inflicted. I know that sounds really weird, but but it's crazy what the brain can do. Yeah. And so it just, and there was like nothing diagnosable about the ankle either. So I was like, this is a little weird. So (laughs) this year (laughs) I'm coming back with like, I guess another chip on my shoulder of like, okay, I've had the experience. I need to just live into who I am. And so like not proving myself or not underperforming and being scared of what could or could not happen, but just enjoying it. Cause you know, I had a moment in the off season and this is kind of personal where I was playing like indoor with like a bunch of old Mexican men with beer bellies. And you're like, Oh, you're, you're slow. No, they, they'll kick your butt. So, um, 
it, it was a lot of fun, but I like got done with one of the sessions one night and I was like, God, that was so much fun. I haven't had so much fun like that in a while. And I heard myself say it and I was like, what? Like, yeah, you play pro for a living. Like you have, what do you mean? You haven't enjoyed it in a really long time. And genuinely I like reflected on it and it scared me because I was like, well, you don't know when that obviously my injury put it into perspective. You don't know when you're going to be done. Mm-hmm. and it's limited. So why are you not enjoying it? And so this year I'm just really trying to, you know, enjoy my craft yeah. and, and experience it wholly because I feel like sometimes I look too far forward and then I'm like, how do I get there? And then I'm unhappy with my daily, which it's silly. Like I'm doing something that a lot of people would love to do. And why wouldn't I try to enjoy it? Obviously easier said than done, but yeah, I feel like too, you know, it's so interesting when we talk to, you know, the fact that we're former players, I always think this perspective because, um, I, I can feel you on the mental side. I felt like I now looking back, I'm like, wow, like you start to get confidence in new things that you're doing, like Joe for coaching me now in, a, in back, back in soccer in a different capacity. But it's crazy when you look back, you're like, wow, if I just like believed in myself at that time, like what are the limits of where I could have, what I, what I could have done physically, um, but I wouldn't discount the fact that like, it's, you know, I appreciate you saying that cause it just shows how much you care, but I do think like, this has been a rough two years and being somebody who now works in the league and, um, is in the front office for a team. I feel like, you know, coming in as a former player and seeing how things are run, like I'm with Gotham and we have, I feel good about what we do, but there's always improvement areas. Right. And I think that's holistic for the league. Um, and, you know, we don't have like sometimes like this weekend and you guys know the Super Bowl is happening and I'm just like, God, like, could you imagine just like putting your feet up like right now, someone walks your dog, you have a meal waiting for you, maybe the masseuse kicks in tomorrow, like, there's just so many layers. And again, like, I get it, we're going to get there, it's going to take time. But I don't think that players need to apologize for that. And I think you're, you're fair to feel the way you feel because COVID sucked. And I know it sucked for players. Um, so I'm, that's, you know, that's kind of my hope for this year is that, um, you're happy, not just because you've changed your mindset, but because the environment of the league holistically is making you happier. Cause you feel like you are truly a professional and the environment is so great that you can just focus on your craft. That's kind of, well, that's um, exciting, honestly, to hear you say, because, uh, I actually worked with the bargaining committee this last year for yeah. like dash rep and it was a long hard battle with a lot of things. And I got, obviously I'm not trying to put a target on my back or say anything, but it's good to see like what I, what, what is encouraging when we were moving forward to seeing so many players, former players now being part of the league and like Joe, hopefully you have the desire to coach seriously in an NWSL because I feel like that would be a natural progression. However, Mm -hmm. that's if you want it, but like, we do need those type of players that have that experience and understand it so that like, it doesn't happen anymore. And we only build forward and not just like maintain like a bare minimum. So I like truly appreciate you saying that just because it's refreshing. Oh, I mean, Joe knows this. I worked in finance two months ago and, um, I always told people like my passion is to get on the front office side. Cause I just know what you guys deserve. And I want to be a part of that in whatever capacity I can be. And I got lucky with the Gotham situation. We have a whole new front staff and Yael is great and everything, but, um, yeah, it's just so important representation in different ways, right? Like it can't all be players, but it also, you have to have people in place that like put the players priorities also on the mind. Like sometimes it doesn't work, but, um, 
even little things, right? Like meals after training and all those things that like we can do better Mm -hmm. that are just going to help you be better at your craft. Um, Because I just remember, like, I literally remember Brie busting her ass (laughs) at that damn restaurant (laughs) and walking those, like, like, but for you to then be able to help, you know, with the, with the dash and help with the rep, like to help so players don't have to do that anymore. Like you did that. You, you did what you had to do, but shouldn't have had to do. And now you're a part of completely kind of hoping to mitigate and and change everything. So I think that's really, really cool. And a cool. Yeah. Um, Nothing makes me happier nowadays when I get emails that are like, this has changed. Cause like, we have to do this because of the CBA. Like I'm like, great. Things are getting better. Like I may make it my heart, my job harder, but I I'm pumped about it. Cause I'm like, they fought for, I mean, people don't even realize we've been out, they haven't talked about like six or seven things, but this is like a huge, there's so many line items of things that are going to improve. So I want to get into that little, uh, I'm glad to hear that you kind of had, a, you know, in that a little bit in terms of the, the dash and being a part of it. One talk about like, um, if you, if you can and want like just kind of that process for you. And then also like, do you think um, to your point, when you said like, it wasn't your dream to be a professional player, do you feel a little bit more stability as a player going into the season, knowing that like certain standards are going to be better? You know, there is longevity with the, the league that you can feel comfortable that you're going to have a job. <laughs> uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so obviously part of the negotiations, there's so many nuances. So like, for instance, like a simple example, we're at one point t- um, kicking around a tiered system for minimum wage. And I was like, it sounds good. Cause obviously you want to honor those that have come before us. I was like, however, if you have a player that's close to aging out, I know how the NWSL works. Mm-hmm. They'll probably make them retire. Cause they're not going to want to pay them more. So I was like, I, we got to rethink that just a little bit. And hopefully, you know, a lot of people aren't living on the minimum. Unfortunately, I think it was like something 90% or 80 to 90% of the league is on the minimum. Um, but then obviously then, you know, we had agreed to the minimum like months and months ago, but then towards the end of the negotiations, it became apparent, obviously, when other people in the bargaining staff were negotiating new contracts that they're like, well, if we have the new minimum, we're not sure what we can give you. And then I was sitting back going, oh God, are they going to cut corners and do like a minimum roster, which I know could happen. So then we obviously started kicking around ideas of like, okay, well, we have to have like a bare minimum roster number that they can't go below because I have a feeling some clubs will try their best. 15 players. You're like one injury. It's over. <laughs> right. I mean, you got to think of the incentives and you know this yeah. in finance. You're like, well, how do we make people do what we need them to do? So it yeah. was, it was a difficult process. Obviously there's a lot of opinions on things. Sometimes, you know, and it's, you know, Joe, I appreciate you acknowledging, like I had to work several jobs because it's, yeah. It did yeah. put a fire in my chest to be like, no, like we can't have this anymore. We're like trialists come in for an extended period of time. Like it has to end. And then like, same thing. If someone gets drafted, I'm like, they have to get service years if they're not getting employed because yeah. it's not fair that they're still being held indefinitely without pay. So it's just yeah. like all these little different things started coming together. And obviously I got like, I would refer to myself as the free agency hound because yes. I was always on the free agency side being like free agency, stick it to the man, but like not in a bad way. Just like, I think that there's a lot of benefits to free agency and I saw it in the super league and um, you know, and the perspective isn't like, 
oh, I want to make everyone's, you know, pockets bleed. It's, I want what's best for the future of the league. And I want to be able to give people a fair wage as well as attract the best international talent. So it's like, we can't set, I don't, you know what I'm saying? And then I I just, a lot of it. It makes me, it makes me really, really happy though, that like you, you know, there's different voices from, you know, there's national team voices, there's longtime veteran voices, but to know that like you have been a voice in all of this, as somebody that experienced everything we experienced together in that short period of time, that there is a voice for, you know, that little segment of a group that sometimes gets really, really screwed. But if you haven't been screwed by it, you really don't even know what it, it even existed. Yeah. So for you to be able to have that voice through this whole process makes me Joe Boyles five years, four, four years ago at peace so that nobody kind of has to go through what we went through during that time. Cause it was, it wasn't healthy. It it's definitely coming exactly. together collectively. That's so hard. Like, I don't yeah. think people even realize that, like, you know, she's speaking on her experience. It wasn't even a national team player who's speaking on their experiences and, and more people are going to have more things they're willing to give up and yada, yada. It's like to find an, a mean, a, you know, some, no one's ever going to be perfectly happy, but to come together as women and say, okay, like we're comfortable with this and then hold them to that. I'm like, that's like something like when you're older, I think you should tell, you know, your kids, your family, like I was a part of something that, um, I mean, really is going to benefit so many people over so much time that, um, you should be really proud. Yeah. I was surprised, honest, when I first volunteered, obviously, and let me backtrack a little bit first though. Like I will say like, obviously people don't really understand certain circumstances when they're not directly affected by it. But when it was brought forward, a lot of people were so excited to get on board and support those things because obviously it's important that we have a healthy, sustainable league. So that was the coolest part about all of it is seeing everybody really work. Like you could tell there's like a share it. I've never felt so, how do I say this united, I guess you could say mm-hmm. with so many different groups, like, I could say I'm probably good pals in terms of, you know, cause you get on the little text threads with a lot of girls in the league, which normally I would never have interacted with ever yeah. on the, on the soccer pitch probably. And would probably be enemies on the field, but you know, <laughs> it was cool. It was an awesome experience, but obviously like moving forward, um, I'm just like hoping that it just builds towards like a sustainable future. Um, and it's just like super exciting because even I got a friend that works like in the Yankees organization. And he texted me a few days after and was like, Hey, did you know you just made history? And I was like, what? Cause originally when I signed up for, I was like, I'm hell bent on making sure what happened to me doesn't happen again. And so that's my biggest concern moving forward. And that we all, and my experience in England was really eye opening because they mirror the premier league. So they're very far advanced in terms of like their systems in place. And so I have a perspective of hopefully to what our PA can be because um, yeah. I was part of the PA there. So I'm hoping that we can build it out even further in terms of services for players. Um, but long story short, um, it just, how do I say this? <laughs> it was a good experience um, to just like build out, I guess the CBA and be part of history because yeah. I hadn't intended that to be the case. It just was like, because when you do something, when you do something for that, the, the pure goodness and the, the trueness of who you like for the goodness of the, what am I trying to say? You're doing it for, for if you're doing it as a mission for a group yes. of women, which you're a part of, 
It's yes. you don't think about what it's going to do in 30 days. You're thinking about right now, where can we get on the negotiating table and push this through? Exactly. Because I want to play soccer and not be working three jobs. That's yeah. that's the mindset. Yeah. So. yeah. I love that. So just to kind of wrap up, just for, you know, all your fans out there and, and everybody listening, who describe Brie Vasali off the soccer pitch? Because you're a very, very passionate, unique charismatic, freaking hilarious human being. And I have sun in my face that I'm trying to dodge as I'm telling this question. Who are you off the soccer pitch for everybody, everybody to hear? Um, <laughs> I, I'd say sometimes it can be very inappropriate with my humor, <laughs> but it's purely for a good time. And, um, uh, I don't know. I feel weird talking. What would Katie say? What would Katie say? Katie, what would you say? What would you say I am off the field? Crazy. Crazy. No. Is that Katie not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Katie, I didn't know she was your roomie. Yeah, come say hi, Katie. Come on, Another man. super badass. She was also on the CVA committee too, so. Of course she was. Oh, celeb appearance. Of course she was. Go ahead in here, sister. Good morning. What's up? Congratulations on, on the whole CBA. I know oh, you're really excited you. for you guys. So excited. Big relief that we finally got that thing done. Yeah. So, now you can awesome. rest at night. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see you guys. You have to let me, uh, I, well, we don't have a calendar yet, but once you're in New York for Gotham, I may travel to the Houston game too. I don't know yet. But. Do it. Oh, nice. We'll have yeah. to show you around Houston. We've got a whole coffee shop situation. H-Town? Right? You need to come to I know, yeah. I know. We have some nice food and stuff. Yeah, they like do. it's, we have to limit they ourselves. Do. We've been trying to not I eat know. out as much because there's been a financial problem for us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the I get coffee bill is way too high. <laughs> <laughs> coffee, like all of a sudden is like $7 a cup. You're like, what? I would like to see my Dunkin' cold brew. Okay. Now gone up in price. What is it, like $5 in five? Oh, really? <laughs> At Duncan? Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, that's, that's a real. Yo, that's can I tell you hard. that you turned me on to the Duncan Donuts cold brew? Seriously. Yes. And you know, I'm a snob about I coffee. Know you are. And I love it. Like, I told Katie about it, and I was like, yeah, we can go get it at Duncan. Yay. That's so good. <laughs> that makes, I'm quoting that, and I'm making Tina put it on um, a little, whatever what we, what do we call it? One of those little things where I could, we can. I love it. Oh, well, well it's been amazing. Me. And uh, thank you. Thank you guys so much. And no, seriously, thank you guys. Well, sorry. But no, seriously, I really do appreciate it. You guys, this was fun. And actually, it was really great to meet you, Tina and Joe. Great catching up with you. I know. Awesome. Yeah. Honestly, seriously. Yeah.